Welcome back to What Now Jesus, our little podcast adventure with uh, me. I'm Father Kyle Schnippel and my friend, your friend, our friend, Father David Dosick. Hi, hi, Father David. How are you? I am your friend, are their you, friend. Is there a delay? And my own friend. There could be. Maybe my internet. It's yours or mine. I don't know. So. I don't know either. I don't know. Should we just keep plugging along and go with it or stop and try again? No, it would just have to be like, you know, like one of those NBC or ABC correspondents where like, you know, you just wait on the answer. <laughs> oh, patience, not a virtue. <laughs> no, no. At least that I have. Catch up as we go. So what's new with you? Uh, we're, we're recording on a Tuesday afternoon instead of a, we usually record on a Sunday. Part of that was my fault. Part of that's just scheduling and all those other things. So what you been up to for the last week? Uh, for me, it, um, it's been a pretty relaxing week. Uh, had a chance to come over. We had dinner, so that was nice and saw a few seminarians and then, um, just getting back to work and getting ready for um, kind of the fall. You know, no pumpkin spice yet, but we're close. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the pumpkin spice latte? Are you a PSL guy? I like everything with pumpkin spice. I mean, yeah, I could do like a, I could do like a pumpkin pie every week for uh, breakfast. You know, just one pie per week. <laughs> I could do it. Yeah, I. I'm I'm a pumpkin guy, but not a pumpkin spice guy. So like if I have a I am not a pumpkin I don't drink lattes and I don't drink fancy coffee anyways. I drink regular yeah. coffee. Um when I drink coffee, if I don't drink tea, but like pumpkin beers have to have pumpkin in them. You know, like I can't yeah. just do a pumpkin spice. It, you know, it's gotta actually have pumpkin in it. Uh otherwise I'm just like, no, thanks. Bye. <laughs> so, and one of the things I like the most is actually the pumpkin seeds roasted, the pepitas and things. They're good. Oh, they're so good. Mm, yeah, those are nice. Those are nice. So, so, uh, we had a solemnity this past weekend. We did yes. to celebrate our our mother Mary's assumption into heaven, body and soul. She did, was, uh, uh, and yeah. Go ahead. What was um? When was when was that finally defined? I'm trying to think. It was 1950. 1950. Yeah, 50. That's right. There we go. Go back to my history book. <laughs> but it goes back to the roots of it. Go back even to the patristic age. So the mm -hmm. in the document declaring the feast as a, an infallible feast, Pope Paul VI, no, 1950. Was that? No, it was Pius before the Paul VI. It was Pius XII. He's going back and quoting like John of Damascus. He's going and quoting other patristic fathers to to show that this feast is consist has been consistently held uh, throughout history. So, so that's so yeah. So it's a new it's a newly defined dogma, but an anciently held feast in in practice. So, gotcha. Nice. 
yeah, I always find helpful for people that, uh, you know, have these issues with Mary and our Mariology, our teachings on Mary and giving her right reverence and honor. Uh, is it uh, Behold Your Mother by Tim Staples? It goes through the dogmas. Mm-hmm. It's very helpful. Very helpful. The other book that I've found helpful is Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary, because it goes back to like the the queen in the, in, in the time of the monarchy of, of Israel, the queen wasn't the wife of the king. It was the mother of the queen because so often, so many of them had so many wives, concubines, et cetera, et cetera, that it was the queen mother who helped her son ascend to his throne. Uh, and so it's right that Mary has a place prepared for her from the foundation of the world, you know. So. Using that analogy, the mother-in-law always wins, correct? <laughs> I ain't touching that one. Neither one of us have a mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Yikes. touching that one. So, <laughs> no thanks. Oh, you married couples out there. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Great. <laughs> so, and then I, all that I made a distinction was, was the difference between, um, an assumption and the ascension. Oh, good. You know, yes. And that, and that uh, Mary still needed a savior mm-hmm. to redeem her body and soul. And that was the passion, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But for Mary, it was applied in a whole unique way because she is full of grace at her immaculate conception. You know? So. Right. These are the beautiful things, yet she still had to suffer through death, which is something perhaps that many people question. You know, the the question I always hear is, you know, why do I have to suffer so much? Why is God allowing me to go through this? And I always turn to Mary and I say, that's a good question, Mary. Like, <laughs> why did she have to suffer death? Why, why did she have to watch her friends and her, her beloved son die? You know, and I think yeah. she's like that proper uh, woman to discuss that with, to lead yeah. us towards God's providence and his His love for us, which re- requires us to to die to ourselves, so to live with, with Christ. Yeah. And she herself, a sword of sorrow shall pierce. So it's not that suffering, suffering is in the world because of sin, but it's not in me because of personal sin if that distinction makes yeah. sense it's you know it's not mm-hmm. part of god's original plan of salv- uh, of creation but it is mm-hmm. once it once it entered in how the lord uses it to redeem us you know so yeah yeah and, and i talked about too I, I well before that i think the diff again the difference between the ascension and the assumption the ascension is a positive act in the sense of Jesus ascends to heaven by his own power and authority. But the mm-hmm. assumption is a passive act. Mary is assumed by the power of Jesus. She doesn't go to heaven by her own power and authority. She goes to heaven because her son draws her to heaven. You know, and I think that that's an sure. important distinction that we sometimes miss as well. So, yeah, that's yeah. very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts on the assumption? I guess what I picked up in my homily for the weekend was that um, where she goes, we hope to follow. You know, so mm-hmm. Mary, as a as a human being, just like us, is was created when she was conceived in her mother's womb with these 
with the preternatural gifts restored to her that Adam and Eve lost. She's what we were meant to be. She's what we we hope to be. So that where she goes, we hope to follow. And and she takes our humanity with with her. She takes our cares and concerns with her uh, to present them to her son. So so I think as we fill our you know we're in the middle of the bread of life discourses too. So as we fill our hearts with the Eucharist and and are filled but and and empowered by the Eucharist and the Holy Spirit, we can be renewed as much as she was and, and have that same uh, ability to, to blaze a trail to her. So uh, not a blaze a trail to her, but to her son. And she helps us do that. So, Yeah, it's um, the assumption. Oh, great, terrible jokes always with the assumption. Oh, right? yes, I love them. Terrible jokes. Please. Yes, they're good. Puns on the word, assume. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very, very kind and charitable. <laughs> Go ahead. Those are terrible jokes. You, no, you I got can't. any good ones? But, uh, or I know, terrible ones? I know I just wanted to bait I just wanted to bait you a little bit and see what went, what would happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm but, gonna pass. Um <laughs> Not your public persona. No, never. <laughs> never. I would never tell a ver- terrible punny joke in public. No. From the pulpit, I would never do that. Never. Yes. Of course not. <laughs> so. Too good. Right. And then as the fall begins, um, gosh, we get ready. Uh, you have a unique situation in that uh, things have changed for you. Now you have two schools. I do uh, separate from separate from each other, but yeah. in the same kind of parish region. I continue to have no school. I am blessed. I mean, um, what would I say? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoying the fact that I don't have to worry about teachers and contracts and yeah, making sure the kids and drop off and parents. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we love you, parents. We do. Yes, thank you. And. We're trying to help you. Yeah, we'll see. It's a good. Re- parents are the first educators of their children in the ways of faith, and we at Catholic schools tr- seek to help them educate. Today, as I'm as we're recording this today, uh, while I'm here at St. Peter's, is our first day of school, and tomorrow is the first day of school at Our Lady of the Rosary. So, uh, my two schools, which I'll be going, I'll go down there tomorrow to to visit the students and and all those things. But it's just it's. Um, I just finished lunch and I walked back over and I was just like, it's just nice to hear that noise of a school. You know, it's like when you have this yeah. big building next to you and it's empty all summer and now it's, you know, there's noise and there's traffic and there's the bells ringing and there's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We'll just walk from my office to home and back. It, it goes past the school cafeteria and to hear the, the, the jibber jabber of, of students uh, is just, and be able to like just go through there and already getting to know some of the students and being able to talk to them and, and connect with them. It's just been a real, it's been a fun day so far. So good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I just got to get ready for religious ed on my <laughs> Wednesday night, which is what we had growing up. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. It, again, just like that, it's very nice to see that the church building is being utilized, but also that um, uh, parents are still committed to giving this religious formation to their children. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, every parish is on that journey. 
Yeah. Every priest too, I think, is on that journey of how to partner with the parents yeah. when they themselves may not have time. And while I, as a priest, may not have time to really get down to what is it that they need and how to really address these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it always just begins with being available and being present as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And then people might talk to you or they might share an idea. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. But usually the ideas or the things expressed are, are, uh, are of a negative nature or of a, a critiquing nature that that tend that tend to put that tend to put the screws to the system and surely well, that never you know, happens. That's why, that's why a system's there. Ask every ask every parent. Yeah, have the rules in your house ever been challenged or broken? <laughs> yes, yes. And yet they're still what rules in the house, and they're still loved. You still love them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. I think that's a, a new perspective, you know, sometimes, you know, what would it, sometimes I feel like some priests, uh, and, and I have fallen into that too. It's like, they haven't been here all summer. Yeah. I haven't seen them at church and now they're coming back yeah. and I want 24 seven of my time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a question of, you know, how, how do you handle that effectively? And still know that the goal is to bring them into a relationship with Jesus to counteract that summer mentality, whatever the reasons are, maybe to hear what those reasons are yeah. and to try to get them into a more, uh, what do I say, living relationship dynamic with, with the Lord. Yeah. You know, and how to do that effectively and dynamically is, uh, is a challenge and I think unique in each situation and circumstance, you know, but it's, uh, for me, it's just that reinforcement of like here at St. Peter's, we just talk about standing on the rock of Peter and, and just building on that and, you know, and trying to get them to think, think, pray and act with a church, you know, as we do that, you know, as, uh, um, and just that constant invitation of come deeper, come deeper, you know, the Lord, um, how the Lord makes that same invitation in his, in his, you know, during his public ministry, it's, it's always an invitation to come deeper, uh, never an imposition. Um, but when we're not in contact with them or when we have very little or limited contact, how does that invitation go? You know, I don't know. So. Yeah. And then it's important, I think, to just like what I'm doing with my, uh, um, you know, catechists, if all, they're all volunteer and so, you know, trying to dedicate time for them uh, to let them have time to engage questions of the heart, of theology, of the scriptures, and and trying to, I guess, you know, walk alongside those teachers as they um, are going to be kind of the, the first contact point of ministry mm-hmm. uh, in our church. Um, and that that's, that is who they represent is is the community, the body of Christ, the parish that's attached to the school. And, and, um, you know, those are very beautiful, I think, vision things. But I wonder, I always wonder whether the parents are getting that when they drop their kid off or not. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, or is it just, no, I don't know. Or is it just I a place know. to educate our kids, you know, because yeah. I don't want to send them yeah. to a public school, you know, 
I don't know. I guess what you take, you take what you're given, I guess. I guess so. You, yeah. you, make, you make do with it. Two loaves. Yeah. <laughs> or two fish, five loaves. Yeah. We'll make do. Yeah. For real. <laughs> for real. Um, so diving a little bit deeper, which may get me in trouble. I don't know. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> So as yeah. we're recording this, the U.S. is doing a rapid retreat out of Afghanistan. And it's just got, as in addition to Afghanistan, we have our brothers and sisters in Haiti who are suffering tremendously after an earthquake and now a hurricane. Sure. But in particular, Afghanistan, it struck me, there are Christian communities there. And they're yes. they're being overrun by the Taliban and a fundamentalist Islamic regime. And I saw something where I see all my news on the twi- Twitters. Yep. And and I saw this and I retweeted it this morning and it just has stuck with me and okay. this is unfair cuz I haven't prepped you for this and, and so but anyways, I think it would be a good conversation. Okay. And I and there's a quote from an email of someone either in Afghanistan or with friends there. This is this. At the moment, we are praying desperately for our for, for friends on the ground in the house church movement in Afghanistan, where the Taliban are coming after all Christians. Their courage is immense. Most expect to fought to most expect to meet Jesus face to face in the next two weeks. Is a powerful reminder right now of what matters. And making every opportunity count for eternity. It's just that line, most expect to meet Jesus face to face in the next two weeks. That's just been with me all day since I saw that this morning. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I, I'm just like, so certainly praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, but it's also just this challenge, you know. What do we do? What do we do? You know, and versus mm. how easy it is here, we get caught up in squabbles of mass times, and we get you know we're facing some pretty significant changes here in uh, in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, um, coming up through the Beacons of Light com- program, and there's going to be a lot of grumbling and complaining. Yeah, but there's not going to be any beheadings. And there are going to be beheadings in Afghanistan. At least that we know of no beheadings. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Count count your blessings on buddy. No, but, um, um, yeah, I have been struck first and foremost by the silence of media when it comes to what is happening in Afghanistan. Yeah. Now that could be part and partial of my, um, uh, very strict regimen of watching news and not watching news. <laughs> a lack of media consumption. Yeah. 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 So that could be for me why I formed that position. But there are certain things that um, just have not been explained as to why or how this process came about or yeah. was this the intended goal? Um and my heart and my mind goes out to all of the thousands of military men and women who have sacrificed time, effort, energy 
their lives. Blood. Yeah, blood. Mm-hmm. Blood, you know, of family and friends to provide a better future um, for, for others in Afghanistan mm-hmm. against a totalitarian, I don't know what else, I don't know how you really define their political system, regime, you know, a, a regime of, of warfare, and yeah. all in the name of, all in the name of their God, yeah. the name of Allah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the reality is that this, this also has a religious aspect to it. Um, in the sense that they're extreme, you know, um, believers and, you know, whether what they believe truly is in the Quran or not yeah. and how it's interpreted is a debate as well that I don't think our religious bishops or leaders are really having a conversation on the holy war yeah. and how a just war is acceptable to negate a holy war. You know, and, and what this looks like. That's what we called the Crusades. Okay. <laughs> right. So, um, and we did pretty well, but we also did not do that well at certain moments mm-hmm. in history. Yeah. Uh, according to what the intention and the goal of the Crusades were. But overall, they were pretty effective in retaining a Christian freedom of intelligence, heart, and mind. And, and um, I mean, I was just struck because I think I was reading a little story about uh, the women in Afghanistan. Yeah. Which it's, you know, in today's world and context, you know, the beauty of the feminine genius and how they're able to complement man and woman together in providing a better society, you know? Yeah. And that uh, family structure needs that, that mutual cooperation and honor and respect. And I, I really... I really don't think, I really don't think or believe that that the women that were educated in Afghanistan will will stay there. They'll seek refuge. They'll will be more refugees, more exiles. And this, the thing that broke my heart was the airport. Oh, you know, as they're evacuating oh. Americans, people are dying, literally dying to try to get on the plane to leave. They're clinging and, to the. Out, anything they can grab exactly. a hold of on the outside of the yeah. plane. And that's the thing is that you, you never thought you would see, um, what was it? Vietnam again, right? Yeah. In Korea. Yeah. And, and just pulling out. Um, I don't know. It's a very interesting situation, but I, I think the politics are where they are. The decision yeah. has been made. Yeah. And now the question is, is, you know, how are you going to handle diplomacy after this as a nation? Um, and then more particular for you and I as priests and religious, how are we going to handle holy wars, persecution, and continuing to have an underground church in those areas? Because Jesus is just as real if the Taliban leader is in charge as well as a Catholic in charge. Right? The truth of the gospel right. doesn't, doesn't stop. The, the chance of salvation right. and redemption, even if it be ridiculed you know, in, in those governments, still is true and acceptable uh, and honorable. Mm-hmm. So that quote that you said that they're going to meet Jesus face to face in a few weeks' time, um, I guarantee you, in the modern world, we will not see any of that. 
We will not see it as honorable. We will not see it as a persecution in his name, the most glorious name of Jesus. What it will be is look at the failure of a president of the United States of America. Yeah. That's all that it will be. And this is the modern context and the progressive vision that all you can go to is a political argument. Yeah. That's all it will be shoved into the throats and the hearts and the minds because that's what will get people to do something. See, they're more willing to work when it's a political thing versus salvation mm-hmm. and eternal life. For real, for real. And, and that's it. Like that's the media, that's the modern world. And I'm just sitting there as, as you know, as we're talking, I'm just thinking, I think we should be really studying this holy war. What does this really mean? How 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 has the church promoted, you know, you think of the the bloodiest century in, in the world? Mm-hmm. How yeah. through Nazi occupation fascist Italy, Soviet Russia, even America, you know, how in South America too, let's not forget all the martyrs dictatorships there in Cuba, the Catholic faith has still remained. And why is that? And that's the question. Why is that? And this is what's going to give me hope is that, you know, the, what the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I just, I don't know. It feels, it feels like to me, what can the Holy Father, what can Rome, what can the Vatican do when the world powers are more interested in their own than the life of men and women who don't want to be oppressed? Yeah. Well, it's too much money for us. We're getting out. It's too much this. We're getting out. Uh, And don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to see any of our troops sacrifice just for the sake of keeping peace over there. I, yeah. I don't believe in that either. I mean, no. there's a certain time where you just have to say this area is not built for democracy Yeah, in the way that we defined it. Yeah. And you have to leave that and you have to say, you know, dictatorship is going to rule here. But in leaving it, why can't you make the opportunity to get everybody out as soon as possible and get them, get them <laughs> yeah. at least some opportunity? But that's a that's I don't a, know. I'm I'm a different viewpoint than others on that. Yeah, the logistics yeah. of that it would be just nigh on impossible. And there's so many so much talk about well, the their army wasn't prepared, and it's like, well, I, you know, I I don't know. There's really complex answers. They're, they're complex questions and they have even more complex answers. I think um, the world just cannot grasp what it is that motivates you and I, you know, what mm-hmm. the world cannot grasp what motivates a religious person. And as such, we were always doomed to lose this war because from an American, what's from a cultural American point of view, understanding what is a jihad, you know, a holy war for on the other side, um, we, we just, you know, um, you know, it's the, the, the lack of values in this. I don't know what, I don't know what I say. The secularism of this culture is never of the U S is never going to win versus the, the passion of a, of a religiously motivated person, whether that religious motivation is in the right direction or not, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then how do we as Catholics, you know, then, then I think from a secular point of view, I saw something that compared us as Catholics to the Taliban in, in this, you know, that we get all conflated that anyone who takes their faith seriously desires the same thing as what the Taliban desires in the oppression of women, in the oppression of free state, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and how we have to fight that battle as Catholics who want to engage the political life, but still hold up certain values and certain standards of life, of dignity, of all those things. Mm-hmm. And, and when we hold those things up, we get seen as a freak show, you know? Yeah, that's right. So, and, and that's, I mean, the modern vision is anything against your own personal interpretation. Right. Uh, yeah. must be wrong and that system is wrong and yeah if you can find a few other people who also think that your individual vision is actually a collective vision <laughs> and then, then then you're really wrong yeah you know yeah and in one sense it's fascinating because they try to form a church out of not being or wanting a church yeah yeah <laughs> they form their own worship they form their own god they form their own community yeah. and i just sit there and i say it's in you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you keep running from it and you keep trying to find these other gods and keep, keep trying to do this. The Lord's created you for him. And no yeah. matter how you do it, no matter what you do, you're going to do it in a way that always reflects his image and likeness. Mm-hmm. It's like that thing that you can't run away from. <laughs> and yet right there. you can try. Right there. Yeah. You can try to run away from the it. hound of heaven. And, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I I think it's a terrible situation. And uh, again, I'll reiterate, I do not think the modern media will cover this in any other light than political. Yeah. Well, that's the only reference they know. mm -hmm. But and I think I think they'll 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 be getting a little bit more close when they actually start to talk to individuals, Christians, women. Um, the only, the only hope that you cannot actually have probably in this moment is that what the Taliban are saying, which is that we will, we will respect, not agree, but respect some of these differences that have happened. That's diplomacy. You can only, you can only hear what they're saying and hope that they honor their words. Yeah. Um, And then, and, and hope that the women there and those who have experienced the freedoms that have been enjoyed for the last 15 to 20 years there, that they're able to rise up and form some sort of local coalition to say, we're not going back to that. We've, we've had something yeah. better and we know it's there and we can train, we can change and be the voice for our own country and our own future. So, yeah. One can hope. I yeah. think I think this brings up the whole arguments again, which have always been in the church's teachings and of recent memory of refugees and immigrants and how and how these are the options. Yeah. For those who find themselves in a land where freedom is not as um free. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 It gives me the the readings for this coming weekend give me hope, even in the midst of this and in the midst of what we face in our church today, because it's towards the end of John six, and it's 
the saddest question Jesus asks in all the gospels, I think, do you too want to leave? Because he's, he's had this really dynamic teaching about the bread of life, his flesh, and my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. And a lot of people leave and no longer uh, go as his disciples. And he looks to the 12, do you too want to leave? And we read it at a staff meeting this morning and I, I read it and I just paused for a minute because I think it's just a great question to pause. And then here, St. Peter, master to whom else can we go? We have, we know and have become convinced that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, you know? So mm-hmm. and coming back to that, here's our answer. We have this Pearl of Great Price and let's, let's proclaim him dynamically to the world right absolutely yeah 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 don't leave don't leave As, uh, bishop baron bishop baron writes in his book you know stay and fight mm-hmm. um, yeah i think that's that's where i put my foothold is there and that's that's yeah. where i'm gonna do yeah and the lord calls us all to be what is it with gideon that was in the reading this morning oh mighty warrior oh conqueror oh victor you oh champion oh champion that's champion. the line that's yeah he calls us all to be a champion as he called gideon in in the book of judges and just sitting with that oh you're hearing him call us call you call me a, a champion what does that mean for us yeah i'm feeling like a notre dame all right a little, <laughs> little sign right? all right whoop, whoop. high as five you come out of the out oh, into the into play the like stadium. a champion today boom 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 yeah, yeah. play like a champion all right gideon, gideon. Yeah, gideon. <laughs> play like a gideon today i don't think that would have the same ring oh well i don't uh, probably not probably not <laughs> all right lou Holt could do it though yeah <laughs> all right we will probably be back in like a week and a half i'm uh at net training next week so i will not be available uh next week so it'll probably be a little bit of a pause till we get to record again but uh, know of our prayers for all who listen, and I think uh, pray for us too. Pray for your priests, and and know that uh, we're trying to inspire you to be a champion in the faith. So, amen. Amen. What Now, Jesus? is a podcast produced by Father Kyle Schnippel and Father David Dosek. Any views and opinions expressed are solely our views and opinions and do not reflect those of our diocese, of our church, uh, or anyone else besides those of us who are appearing on the podcast. God bless.